0: Let's review a little bit. Last few weeks, we have been talking about our theme for the summer, which is uh, love your neighbor summer. It comes out of a great commandment that most of you will know that on a day that some religious leaders were challenging Jesus, trying to uh, see if he knew the law and if he would obey the law, they said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded quickly, the, the passage that every good Jewish person knows. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, some add and all your strength. It comes from the Old Testament, the book of the law, the books of Moses. It was the answer they were looking for. But frankly, it was the answer they were surprised to get. But their surprise didn't end there. Because in answering the question, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus didn't stop there. He kept going. And he put a new little caveat at the end. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. So we've kind of adopted that with with this thought in mind. What if Jesus... Would like it if these days we took that literally and literally began to love our neighborhood? What if we began in our own little places where we live? And you know, this group today, we live all around the community, some farther out, not really in our community. Good to have you here today. <laughs> but what if? We didn't live where we live by accident. It wasn't just because we found a place that we liked and that we could afford. What if we live where we live because the unseen hand of God was behind it saying, I need your light to shine in this neighborhood. I need you to love your neighbors. I need you to care about them in such a way that in seeing your love for them, they see my love for them. What if... We really loved our neighbors. So we're thinking about it this way. You know, neighboring today is a little different than it was when I was a kid. When I was young, you know, I knew all the neighbors. I knew them by name. They knew me. Uh, They felt free. The adults, when I was a child, felt free to discipline me just like my parents did. Well, maybe not just like, but discipline me, keep me in line. Today, we often don't even know our neighbors, so here's, here's our little pattern that we're, we're adopting for the summer. We want to stop being strangers. We want to become acquaintances. And we want to build relationships with our neighbors. And there's some little practices that go with that. If, if they're a stranger and we see them outside, we might say, hi. But what if we made an intentional effort to get to know all of the names of all of our neighbors living immediately around us. And we've been using like a a kind of a tic-tac-toe board idea with our house in the center square. And be sure that we have the names of, of those eight neighbors that live around us. And your neighborhood might not be configured that way. It might look a little different than a tacto board. But the idea is get the names. Move from being stranger to acquaintance. Be able to stop saying hi and be able to say, hi, John. Hi, Joe. Hi, Melody. Because we know their names. We're acquaintances. And so we've, we've been filling out our little neighborhood blocks. And if you don't have one yet, uh, I'll give you one before you leave if you want it. We've got them all on paper. But we also have a refrigerator magnet that you can put on your refrigerator and write in their names and remember who they are. I, I confessed a couple of weeks ago that I don't know all eight of the names of my neighbors. Because I have three new neighbors across the street that I haven't met yet. And I'm going to get to know them. I'm going to meet them. And I've been hearing from a lot of you that you don't know all the names of your neighbors either. So let's move that first step from stranger to acquaintance. But then we want to not stop there. We want to move from acquaintance to a relationship. So a part of the acquaintance thing is we've moved from hi to be able to say hi and fill in their first name. What if we had a neighborhood cookout? What if you hosted A neighborhood cookout. It's one of the practices we're suggesting for the summer. Now, if you're not able to do that, you know, we're not taking grades and checking on you. But we really hope that as many of us as possible, really all of us, would have a neighborhood cookout. Now, your cookout might not be a cookout. You you might invite them to a restaurant. Or you might say, hey, we're going to sit around the family table. Uh, and and it, it can be a potluck instead of you providing all the food. You can you can divvy that up. You can share it. You can do whatever you want. But then get to know your neighbors. That's what we're asking. And then you move it another step. You know, you, you move from re, from acquaintance to relationship. So you've gone from high to high John, and and yet let's move it even another step. To be able to say, hi, John, how's that problem at work coming along? Or whatever the issue is in their life. Because you know something about them. You've learned a little bit about their story. And you take it that next step. And and the suggestion here is, and and I haven't given you this one before, so this this was not really review, but it is still a part of the review of what we've been talking about. That as you have that cookout, or as you meet people on the street and say, hey, I'm embarrassed to say this. We've lived next to each other for seven years, but I still don't know your first name. <laughs> to, to be able to build such a relationship that instead of, you know, a bunch of people over, why don't you just invite one neighbor over and, and have a meal together? where you can really get to know each other well. And and what you're doing there is you run into your neighbors, as you have that cookout, or as you're walking your daily walk up the street, you're looking for what uh, Jesus called persons of peace. Persons of peace. There's a story in Luke 9 and Luke 10, the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, Gospel of Luke chapter 10, where Jesus began sending out his disciples. And in that, there was a day came that he sent out 72 of his disciples. He sent them out in teams. So it was 36 teams, 72 people. He sent them out, and he gave them some really clear instruction of what he wanted them to do when they went out. He said, you're going to go ahead of me to every town and place that I'm about to go. And this is where he spoke a, a scripture that a lot of Christians know really well. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Well, it's interesting. He says, you ask the Lord of the harvest to send them out, but then he says, go. I'm sending you. <laughs> you go out. Like lambs among wolves. That's the scary part. And he gave him some specific instruction about this idea of person of peace. He said, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Rest and stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. And hope it's not peace salad. <laughs> you didn't laugh. I've got a story with that. For, for the worker deserves his wages. I guess I'll have to tell you the story since I added it. But. And then he says, don't move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, heal the sick there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, eat the dust of your town that sticks to your feet, Wipe uh, even the dust of, of your town that sticks to your feet, Wipe off if they don't welcome you. The kingdom of God is near. So Jesus is sending out these ministry teams, 36 teams, two people each, saying, look for people who receive your peace and greet you with peace. In other words, a person of peace is a person who likes you. They just like you. And it's a person who listens to you. They don't run away when you said, oh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> they don't think you're weird. They're ready to hear about that. And often a person piece of peace will serve you in some way. And when you run into those people among your neighbors, spend some time with them. Invite them over for dinner. It's good to have Marco here today. Let them be a part of your life. Build relationship. You see, Jesus is still sending out ministry teams. He's still speaking to us and sending us out and saying, love your neighbors. Love them as yourself. I mentioned something earlier, but I want to ask you again. Has it occurred to you that maybe where you live isn't an accident? Maybe even unknown to you. Maybe not even a prayer in your mind, not even a thought in your mind. There is the reality that Jesus put you in the neighborhood you're in because he wants you to be his light in that place. And it's time for you to shine. It's time for you to love your neighbors in whatever way you can, in whatever way that looks like. And that you just be the living representative of Jesus in that place so that others can experience the love of God. I think that's a fun assignment. Most of you know I was out of town this week. and I met a man that I've been quoting for years. He's mid-30s, maybe 40s. His name's Ben. He pastors a church in the Fort Wayne area. And I have this quote in my file that I took from his blog a long time ago. He's a friend of a mutual friend. He's not a part of our network of churches, but I I just like him, even though I had never met him until this week. He says, you know, as you think about this idea of loving your neighbors, of being one who's looking out for persons of peace, he said there's a difference between being sent out with the authority of Jesus and just hanging out. We're not talking about just hanging out with our neighbors. We're talking about being sent with the authority of Jesus so that we can be his representative in that place, so that we can light up our neighborhoods with the love and grace of God. Last week I gave you a little acrostic light. It's on the back of your folder. Learn their names. Invite them over. Give them something good. Not necessarily a meal. It might just be a little gift, something that you do. It might be mow their yard when they're on vacation. You know, give them something good. Hear their stories and tell your story when it's appropriate. To be a light in your neighborhood. Now I want to add a piece today to this strategy of loving your neighbor from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. If you want to follow along in your Bible, I'm reading from the New International Version. The Pew Bible in front of you is a different translation, but you can follow along in it. Luke seven thirty-six through 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went over to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, falling off, wetting his feet. Then she wiped them, his feet, with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees had invited him, who had invited him saw this, they said to them, him, to him, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is. That she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven would love him more. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put any oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Hmm. I love this story this event, this moment in Jesus' life. It speaks so clearly to us for a whole lot of reasons. But I especially want to call your attention to the little line when Jesus turned to Simon and he said, do you see this woman? Do you see her? Jesus wasn't saying, are you aware that she's here physically? (laughs) They all knew she was there physically. But he's looking at at Simon and saying, do you really see her? Do you really understand what's happening in this moment? Do you see really what's going on as she and I encounter each other, as we all encounter her? Do you really see what's happening? You see, he's implying to Simon that Simon didn't really know what was going on. That he really didn't have the first clue of why this woman was behaving as she was and and why he was receiving her as he did. Simon didn't get it. That little line, do you see her? Do you see this woman? I, I think we could tweak that a little bit. As we think about our neighborhoods, put yourself in your mind's eye in the front yard where you live. Do you really see your neighbors? Or are they just people who live around you? You recognize them. But do you really see what's happening in their lives? Do you really know what's going on with them? Do you know why the one shuffles in so bent over all the time, just totally worn out? Do, do you see the one, know what's happening in the life of the one that's late mowing their yard all the time and all the other neighbors are complaining? Do you know the one that's walking up and down the street all the time and what drives her to just walk, walk, walk? Do you really see your neighbors? I confess to you that sometimes I don't really see my neighbors. I think that's probably true for a lot of us here today. We don't really see them. We don't really know them. We don't really know what's happening in their lives, the burdens they have, the cares they have, the celebrations they have. We don't really know them. Yesterday, as I made my way on my final leg home from uh, the church convention I attended in Wichita, I swung through Montgomery County, Ohio, actually through Brookville, Ohio. It wasn't really out of the way to come home and do that. just delayed me by two hours. We had a family reunion. So I stopped in uh, about 40 minutes late for lunch, but there was plenty of food, and I was good. (laughs) Well, I wasn't good with what I ate, but I was good. I had lunch. And I sat with family members. One of the, the women there... Is just a couple years older than my children, and, and I was trying to figure out who she was without embarrassing myself because you know she's family. It was a family reunion, and when I finally put it together with the help of one of my other family members, uh, her name is Jennifer. She's my first cousin. I haven't seen her in probably 35 years, and so Jennifer and I are sitting across the table. And we know each other. I knew her name. I didn't even know what she looked like. She knew my name. She doesn't know anything about me. Did we really see each other? Well, not until that moment when we just started asking questions of each other. Now, when you grow up in a a big family like mine, my dad was the oldest of uh, eight siblings, there's a whole lot of cousins. And some of my first cousins are younger than my children. So I don't really know them all. And I had a lot of fun getting to know Jennifer yesterday. And now when I see her, I hope it's not another 35 years, because I probably won't be around in another 35 years. (laughs) But now when I see her, I'll know her a little better. I know more of her story. I know more of what's going on in her life. I know now... That her, one of her son's name is the same name spelled the same way as my youngest grandson, Grayson. I didn't know that. Apply that to your neighborhood, my neighborhood. When we see our neighbors, do we really see them? Do we really know them well enough to be able to love them as Jesus would have us love them? My cousin lives in Louisiana. I live in Michigan. Our fathers grew up in Ohio and Kentucky, frankly. But my neighbor's right there. I I can see them every day. I can know them. I can spend time with them. I don't have to get on FaceTime. I don't have to send an email. I don't have to pick up the phone. I don't have to text them. I can knock on the door. They can knock on mine. Why is it we don't really see people? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is we're just too busy. We're just so busy with life that we don't carve out time to build relationships. Earlier this year, I preached... Sermon series, crazy busy, so I'm not going to revisit that. It's on the website. You can listen to it. My, I found out what my cousin does. Not Jennifer, another cousin. He says, when did you start putting your sermons on your website? And I said, well, a long time ago. He said, well, I like listening to them. It's the only church he has. it's listening to me preach. But why don't we get to know each other? Why don't we really see our neighbors, we're too busy. We've filled our life with so much stuff and our calendar is full for the next six months and we don't have time for that neighborhood cookout. We don't have time to invite someone over. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus is whispering in our ears this summer saying, hey, rearrange some things. Make some room in your life. There's a person that lives on your block that I want you to love a little bit. I want you to let them see Jesus in you. I want you to learn their story, and I want them to hear your story, because in the telling of those stories, the kingdom of God comes near, and their life can be changed. So maybe we need to address our busyness so we can really see who lives around us. There's another reason I think that we don't really see. It's not just that we're too busy, it's that they're too messy. Here's what I mean by that. Think about this woman. What did Simon say about her? If Jesus really knew this woman, he'd know she was a sinner. He'd know that there are things going on in her life that that he oughtn't to associate with. He would know. You know, I I put that picture of what happened there that day with Jesus in my mind's eye, and, and I've been thinking about this off and on for 30 years. There's a lot happening there. You know, Simon was being really polite when he said, she's a sinner. He let Jesus fill in the blanks about what kind of woman this was that was touching him. She was an immoral woman. At least that's the implication. The implication is that she touched a lot of men in ways that she shouldn't. It's my guess, just a guess, but it's my guess that when she walked into the room, this alabaster jar, one of the other gospels names what was in the jar. It's called Nard. It was one of the most expensive perfumes in the world. It came all the way from the Himalayas and was brought back to where they were, there in the Mediterranean basin. Well, that stuff wasn't cheap, was it? How how did a single woman afford that? How did she get that? Jesus, if you really were who you say you are, you'd know who this sinful woman is who's touching you. You shouldn't let her be touching you. I imagine that it's quite possible that, that when she walked into the room that there were a few men who knew she was there without ever seeing her because they knew her perfume. They knew what kind of a woman she was. You know, I think sometimes we don't get involved with loving people that Jesus wants us to love because they're too messy, they, whoever they are. They're too messy. They do things we don't like to do. They behave in ways that we don't like to behave. They use language that we don't want to use. They have habits that we don't share. And so we just don't want to touch that. We don't want to be with them because they're sinners, they're messy. There are two over there. And yet, if you study Jesus' life, who did he always hang out with? I mean, always. The messy ones. Thank you. He always hung out with the messy ones. Always. And it was rare that he hung out with the religious people and yet we because we don't want to touch that we we pull away it's as if we act like it's viral and contaminating and that just by being near we'll catch it that wasn't the way jesus lived you see really it comes down to this why don't we really see it's because we're afraid We're afraid what others might think. We're afraid that temptations will come to us that we don't want to face. Why is it that we always think, and maybe you don't, but I know a lot of us do, but why is it we always think that if we're with a person who's far from God, that we're going to become like them instead of them becoming like us? Why are we so weak in that way? thinking that if we hang out with that person far from God, we're we're just going to end up where they are. You know, the Bible gives us an answer to that. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. (laughs) You know, it's our job to shine in darkness. It's our job to be the light. It's our job, our responsibility, to, to hang out with people who are far from God and love them the way Jesus would love them so that they can find his kingdom, his life, his grace, his goodness. We're afraid what sacrifice we might have to make to help with their problems. Sometimes I think we're afraid the questions they ask will be too hard for us to answer. And so we just stay away. But Jesus calls us to really see, to really look. To really know, to love, to care. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe the place to begin doing that is to whisper a simple prayer. It's this one God, give me love for my neighbor, give me eyes to see their need. Give me courage to do something about it. Maybe that's the place that you begin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the way you answered those who questioned you that day. and You said, love your neighbor as yourself. Lord, we want to take that literally. We understand that neighbor can be more than just the person who lives beside us. But for this summer, help us just to be that loving presence in our neighborhood doesn't mean we won't love others of course we will doesn't mean that all who need us will just be our neighbors but lord would you help us would you help us to really love our neighbors would you give us eyes to see their need would you give us the wisdom to adjust our life to create relationships to move past being strangers past being acquaintances, and really find the persons of peace that you have called us to love so that we can hear their story and that we can share ours. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.